Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We lead customizable lives. There's no doubt about it. Living in a consumer-driven culture as we do means that the world out there is intentionally meant to revolve around you. Businesses are out to attract your attention and help you find the product or the service or the the customer experience that caters to all of your preferences and desires. As the old Burger King commercial used to say, have it your way. And we do. Everything from our technology to our decor to our vacations to our entertainment, to our worldviews, to our coffee order. It's all about us, our wants and our desires. Nowadays, you can even shape the way that your own life is presented out there on the internet, on social media. You can carefully control and sculpt what others see about your life, at least the digital version of your life, which may or may not be accurate to reality. What matters, though, is that you get to choose. Also, you choose what comes across your newsfeed about other people and other stories. If, if something bothers you or upsets you, you can just get rid of it in a single click or tap. And that's our culture's mentality, it seems. For better or worse, we want to live comfortable and customizable lives. Which is why our gospel reading today from Luke chapter 9 can make us quite uncomfortable. It can challenge us and even offend our sensibilities that have been shaped by our culture. You see, Jesus talks about us following him, and we know that that's what it means to be a Christian, that that we follow Christ. We are his disciples, but the question is, what kind of discipleship do we prefer? Do we prefer to follow Jesus, but at the same time still have it our way? Do we prefer to customize our Christianity? Well, Jesus has this series of interactions with three people whom he has called to follow him, but but they want to customize the way that they follow him. They come to Jesus one right after another, and while they all make it clear that they intend to follow Jesus, they also make it clear that they want to set conditions on their discipleship. They want it their way. The first one says to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. It seems that this man is quite self-confident that he will be able to be with Jesus through both thick and thin, but not quite thinking about where Jesus' road was leading him. We can tell based on Jesus' response that he is making an assumption that following Jesus won't really cost him all that much, that everything will be comfortable, and that he'll just reap the benefits of being in proximity to Jesus. But Jesus tells him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but you realize that the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus is telling this man that he does not yet truly understand what it will cost him to follow Jesus. The second person says, Lord, let me first go and and bury my father. 
He has heard Jesus' call to follow him, but, but he wants to set the priorities for his discipleship. And we may think, well, it seems like, seems quite reasonable that a person's priority should be to care for his family. But you see, the problem that this man is running into is that he assumes that his life's priorities will not change when he follows Jesus. So Jesus says, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Family is important. Family is a priority in this life, no doubt about it. But there are things even more important than family, namely the kingdom of God. Priorities of Jesus supersede our own, supersede everything we like to think we should focus on. The third says, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. I'll follow you, Jesus, but, but first let me spend some time looking backwards, spend a little more time holding on to the things that I'll know I'll need to give up. This man has heard the call of Jesus, but he didn't want to go right away, so he suggested his own timing. But that's not how it works with Jesus. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow, which is moving forward, and looks back, is fit for the kingdom of God. We either are following Jesus where he is leading us, or we don't. There's no middle ground when it comes to discipleship. And like I've said, if we're really listening to all of this today, then this will probably hit us like a ton of bricks. We never hear what ends up happening to these three people, and presumably there are more than just three that come to Jesus like this throughout Jesus' ministry. But, but you see, that's not the point. These three were specifically recorded by the gospel writer, Luke, so that we can hear them, so that we can hear Jesus' call to them to follow him and then also decide what is our response. To Jesus when he calls us to follow him and to work in his kingdom. Let me remind you that we've all been called to follow Jesus. Again, if you're a Christian, then it's Christ you follow. We've all been baptized and made Christ and Christ alone. And in response to that call, you have made a commitment to follow him. God has worked in your life. And in response, you made that proclamation back when you were confirmed or when you first joined the Lutheran Church. You said the words that you intend to continue steadfast in this confession and church and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it. And yet, we live in this customizable world and this consumer-driven culture, and, and we want to have things our way. And so those two things are always at odds with one another. Just like for those three people in Luke chapter 9, they, they wanted to follow Jesus, but they wanted to follow him their own way. As human beings, we all tend to have our non-negotiables. All follow Jesus except, or... I'll follow Jesus, but first. What is your non-negotiable? 
It can be different for all different kinds of people. For some, we'll follow Jesus as long as we don't have to change our sinful habits. At least not all of them. Not, not that one that I treasure so privately and dearly and hang on to so tightly. Or we'll follow Jesus as long as we don't need to change the way that we conduct ourselves outside of church. Or as long as I can define what is or isn't sin in my life instead of listening to what God's word tells me. For others, we'll follow Jesus as long as we can choose to do what we want, not expecting that Jesus would actually demand anything of us in the way that we spend our time or the way that we spend our money or the way that we use our skills and abilities. Or that the Christian life would involve more than just an hour on a Sunday morning, that it involves how we live every single day of our lives. Still, for others, we'll follow Jesus as long as it actually doesn't mean that I have to treat other people differently, to extend forgiveness to them, or to put someone else's needs ahead of my own. We'll follow Jesus as long as it doesn't involve living out our faith for all the world to see that life doesn't get too hard for me, that I don't actually have to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from my faith. But you see, that's not how Christianity works. That's not how following Jesus works. There is always a cost to follow Jesus. Jesus is the one who sets our priorities. Jesus is the one who sets our life's path. And if we lose sight of that, if we attempt to set our own path as opposed to following Jesus on his path to the cross, if, if we get so consumed with, with looking backward instead of looking forward, if we have our hands wrapped so tightly around something that is so dear to me in this life that it interferes with me following Jesus, well, then we are the ones who are in danger of Jesus' ominous words being applicable to us, that we, in fact, may not be fit for the kingdom of God. Which, again, customizable Christians may want to say to Jesus, well, how dare you place such a claim on my life from the way that I want to live it? But really, all of us should be saying, how dare I want my life? any other way than how Jesus chooses to claim it. And you see, that's the point. Christians follow Jesus, not the other way around. But here's the good news for us today. Jesus has laid a claim on your life, and he does set your path. And Jesus knows where your path is leading you, even if you may not. And not only does Jesus know where your path is leading you, but more importantly, Jesus knew where his path was leading him. Our gospel reading today began, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. This verse in Luke chapter 9 is actually the turning point of the entire gospel. 
When Jesus knew that the time was drawing near for him to suffer, to be crucified, to die on the cross, to rise again and then to ascend into heaven, Jesus set his face to go there, knowing full well what was waiting for him. Jesus knew the cost. He knew what he would have to give up. He knew what he had to do. And Jesus was not doing it for himself. Jesus willingly set his face to go to Jerusalem for you and for me and for this entire world. Jesus knew that our sinful nature loves to comfortably customize our lives to the point where we are tempted to turn away from him. And yet Jesus still made his way to the cross, not making himself the priority, but making us his priority. And he sacrificed his own life for our sins so that we can be forgiven for all of our sins of pride and our selfishness. So that we could be once again reconciled to God our Father so that we can spend our lives following Jesus. As Christians, we don't follow just anyone. We follow the one who has given up everything. For us. And to follow him, to follow him does cost something. It does mean commitment. It does mean that we don't get to choose what our days here on earth look like. In fact, we might not know what our days will hold at all. But Jesus does. And so every day he is leading us. He is strengthening us, and even though we may not know where our path leads, we do know where our path ends. Jesus showed it to us when he rose again and when he ascended into heaven. You see, the path of Jesus, it does go through the cross. There is a cost to following Jesus as we bear our own crosses. We lose our lives the way that we would have chosen them to be. But it also means that we gain something far more than we ever could have imagined because the path of Jesus also went through the empty tomb and straight up to heaven. We know that eternal life awaits us, that we will be raised up on the last day, that we will be with him in his everlasting kingdom in the new heavens and the new earth. And that free gift from Jesus is worth losing anything that we could ever possibly want to hold on to in this lifetime. Because in Jesus, we know that we've gained everything in the life of the world to come. As much as our sinful nature loves to tell us otherwise, Because of Jesus, we know that we don't want to have it our way. Instead, we pray, Lord, have it your way. After all, that's what we pray every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? When we say, thy will be done. Which is an awfully hard thing to pray when you think about it, to say, thy will, Lord, not my will. But Jesus has made it possible for us to do just that. He set his face to go to Jerusalem to to accomplish everything for us, to make us his own by his blood, to call us and then enable us to follow him wherever he goes and at the end to live with him eternally in his kingdom. 
And so when we do fail at this, and we will fail, when we continually insist on our own ways, well, then we repent. And we ask him for his forgiveness. And he is faithful to forgive. We are forgiven. We are strengthened once again to go out and pick up our cross and follow him each day. There's a prayer that you can find in our hymnal that sums all of this up. And I like to use this prayer often. It's Like I said, it can be hard to pray for God's will to be done. So sometimes, in addition to the Lord's Prayer, it's helpful to have words to say and to practice them in our lives. And, and so to close today, I'd like to practice this together with you. I'd like us to pray together this prayer. It's called the Prayer for Guidance in our calling. And so would you pray this with me? Lord God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, by paths as yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord, have it your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.